What's going on, Misfits? I'm sorry I'm giving you Las Vegas uh, showgirl review. I'm trying to channel my inner J-Lo because I'm in Vegas right now. So I'm giving you a lot of vaudeville meets Motown fuckery. What's going on, Misfits? I probably hit higher notes than she does. No shade but shade. As I talk to you from my room in the Rio Hotel where I have been performing all week at the Comedy Cellar, I'm just so grateful as I look upon the horizon at the mountains over yonder the strip. No, I haven't smoked today. I probably should though. But anyway, I'm being extra because this episode is extra. This episode features my most special guest to date, my younger brother, Chad, who I adore and he Uh, And I have been roommates since last year when he graduated college. And so I thought, what better way to kick off my 2019 than to not only feature my non-blood brother, Monroe Martin, who was the first episode of this year. If you haven't listened, go back and listen to him and I, Kiki on the couch, then followed up with my biological blood brother, Chad, who is a budding photographer. Please check out his work on Instagram, Chad Hilliard. I'll have it in the description of the show. We talk about everything and nothing at all. My brother's 23. He is a millennial. I am a Gen Xer and he does not even use social media. So we talked about so many other things. It was still a fun conversation. I hope you enjoy it. And you know, hug your family when you have a chance. They're special. Even if you hate their guts, they're still special people. I mean, I love my brother, but I'm just saying if you don't, you can you can love the people you hate. You're listening to Social Misfit. Hold on, let me do my intro. Ladies and That's gentlemen. That's your fake voice. That's your fake voice. <laughs> Ladies That's and That's not how she sounds to anybody. <laughs> I've never heard this voice in regular conversation in my life. Finish my intro, please. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Social Misfit with me, your host, Chloe Hilliard. And this week, I'm joined by my younger brother, Chad. Do you want me to use your real name? Do, like, do you want to keep a level of like um anonymity? Because, you said my name already. You know, I mean, I can bleep it out in editing. But do like, do you think about it? Because, you know, I'm going to be, you know, a big deal. So I want to make sure you have your own identity and that you don't it's fine. get overshadowed by your big sister. Think you're very highly of yourself, but it's okay. You have to hold a mic close to your mouth. Yeah, there you go. Don't smell it. Why do you smell everything? <laughs> <was> just <laughs> Listen, guys, this is going to be off the rails. I have no idea. Um what's going to happen with this episode but uh my brother and i have been cohabitating since he graduated school in may how has it been for you living with a superstar it's fine <laughs> it's it's, ter- it's fine you were about to say it's terrible no it's fine <laughs> so it's a friday night and i am getting ready to go on the road for a month so i wanted to make sure that i kept to my word and that i continue to release podcasts every week by hook or crook and so my brother and i were eating chinese food and somehow the idea of a podcast came up how did that come up you said something to me and i you said we I said, should let's do a podcast you said let's do a podcast and i said i have a podcast and he says oh you do yeah you don't support me at all i do no you don't i do in theory 
Okay, so this is how it's going to be because my brother is a man of few words around his family, but he is a a glowing personality out in these streets. Now, the flip side is out in these streets, I'm probably more like subdued and then at home. Do you think I'm more lively at home? I think no. no. I think I'm actually kind of really quiet. Like, yeah. We okay. So before we get into um, what could possibly actually fit the concept of this show, social misfit, which is the fact that we are of two different generations, I would like you to tell me. You always um, hark on that part. I feel like. It's very, very, More very important. I don't think it's that important. But. It's hugely important. We're 15 years apart. But before we get into that. Um, and you can conceptualize your retort to anything I have to say about my generation being better than yours. Um, what is your impression of living with your older sister? Because it is a unique experience. It's fine. It's not. It's really nothing to think about. For someone who wants to do a podcast, you are not talking. It's just this isn't an interesting topic. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, how do you feel living with me? And I'm like. I mean, it's a place to live. Like, I needed a room. You got a room. <laughs> what else is there to talk no, about? No, but, but the thing is, this goes into us being from two different generations. Like, the thing is, you have an idea of, like, who your sibling is, and it's another to engage. Like, you and I didn't really engage as kids because we were so far apart. And so now I think, I think now this is the most I felt like I had a sibling because I think we're both adults and we have conversations and we communicate. But when you were in school, I was like living my life. True. A little bit more. It's just not that interesting. Of a topic. <laughs> I don't really know what you want to talk about. It's just not that interesting. Just, our relationship is not that interesting for for us or the public. I don't think. I think our relationship is interesting because you are. I do a joke about it about how you're constantly trying to check me with your millennial status. I'm not trying to check you. You just be saying wild, weird shit. What is wild and weird? So, ladies and gentlemen, my brother was going out with a group of friends. And I said, oh, where are you going? He goes, oh, we're going to a gay bar, right? Sure, yeah. No, no, no. You said, I said we were going to a queer club. Oh, okay, okay. See, that's the difference right there. A queer club. And I said, is anybody in your group of friends going to this? Are they gay? To which you said. I said, I don't know how I identify, but I know some of them are queer. No, that's not what you said. You said, Chloe, we don't say gay anymore. We say queer. A little hyperbolic, but okay. Right? You said that. And then I said, well, I didn't get the memo. Because when I was growing up, queer was a derogatory term. It's like saying calling somebody a faggot. Yeah, I don't think it's derog- as derogatory in the same way anymore. I mean, I think in- intent matters, but I-, I hear more people identifying as queer than other, you know, Yeah, but what does labels. that mean? What does queer mean then? Why well, not just say gay? Well, I think it's it's like it is maybe less conforming and that like it can mean different things to different people and i think awful it can be just more of like a a way of conceptualizing sexuality is like not just one lane that someone is trying to like put mm-hmm. on top of themselves so so how do you identify do you have you identified your sexuality yet um yeah i mean i guess like 
I feel like I would I would say I'm straight, but I wouldn't. If we were in a place where like I didn't have to label my sexuality, then I probably wouldn't go out of my way to say like, "Oh, I think I am straight." I'd just be like, "I, I think I have only been sexually attracted to." Well, I wouldn't use that. Uh, yeah, I, I would say I'm straight. I think that's like the best denominator now. <laughs> I'm laughing because your face is like, wait, am I having an epiphany right now? No, no, because I, I was thinking, I was like, oh, well, so the first thought I was having was like, yeah, I guess I've only been attracted to people like that I've, that, that have been like female, or if you would say, and then I was thinking like, oh, well, actually I've met people that I didn't realize were, had like a trans experience and that I was attracted to, but I, it's not like anything came of it. I just like didn't realize that after the fact, and mm-hmm. I was like, okay. And I was like, well, I don't really know how it would conceptualize that. But if I say the way, like, I present and walk in the world and the way I talk about things and, like, who I approach to be partners, then it would be most accurate to say I'm straight. But so now I guess my question to you as a millennial is what is the consciousness you have when it comes to talking about, like, gender and sexuality? Like, are you more apprehensive to to give definitive um responses to things like you know what i'm saying like put put like this like when everybody was i don't know i can't think of anything because i smoked before we did this but um like say like say if everybody was saying oh we shouldn't drive um gas cars anymore we should only drive hybrid and electric and you still have a gas car like do you still try to make it be like yeah yeah all cars matter yeah like not all yeah not all like do you still like speak up for like driving a gas car you know what i mean or you just kind of be like i'm gonna i'm gonna fall back on my gas car because everybody ain't fucking with gas cars no more i don't know how this relationship i have no clue clue where you're going what i'm saying is i feel all right so let me try to explain this um what i'm saying is, is like in your amongst your peers do you feel like like the um like the bravado behind like being a heterosexual man or woman has kind of been muted to allow the conversation to extend to everybody. You know what I mean? Like before when you know, when I was during my twenties, it'd be like, No, I'm a straight woman and I like men. But is that, you know, kinda decreasing to engage everybody? I mean, I don't I don't I don't really know why. Like do you feel passe being like I'm just a regular old straight straight man and it's not about me right now so i'm gonna let all my queer friends rock out i mean i i feel like like yes like let all my queer friends rock out but also just like why like i don't ever really feel the need to talk about it and like put myself in the limelight just based on being straight so i feel like there's no real need for me to ever have to step back it's like no one else is really business no one really cares like i've never really wanted to be like let me tell you a bunch of stories about these straight encounters i've had Mm -hmm. and not hear anything other than that for the rest of the night it's like yeah i mean you know if you're with a bunch of people from like of with a diverse range of like gender identities and like sexual orientations and everyone shares their own stories like Mm -hmm. no one person's voice is louder than the other and then y'all have a good time now we had a little interesting conversation um over Chinese takeout about the film Astro Boy. And and you love MAGA? No, that's make America great again. 
manga. It's not that much different, though. You just said, you almost said manga. You were like, manga? Yeah, it's a difference. Manga? Yeah, manga. Manga. Yeah. It's Japanese young adult? Or no, it's like just yeah, Japanese anything, yeah. animated stories. They're not like comic books. They're so. comic books, yeah, basically. They're thin comic books, like American guys, but they're like normally really thick. I mean, it's just because it's just a dimensions thing. It's just <laughs> <laughs> the pages are shorter, and so therefore... The book is smaller and thicker instead of longer and thinner. Oh, okay, okay, just, okay. Just dimensions. When did you fall in love with Japanese culture? Because you've been there twice for extended stays. Uh, I wouldn't say Japanese culture. I would say, like, those two things. Like, you know, I just like manga. Like, that's not like No, a but you've culture. been to Japan twice. Yeah, And you've yeah, studied yeah. Jap- Japanese. Yeah, I mean, but still, it's not and like you, I And you make me buy Japanese sushi rice that you never cook. I cook it. We just have a lot. You bought so, like a ten pound bag of fucking sushi rice. We won't have to rice. buy anymore. That's the point. <laughs> and we never make it for anything sushi or Japanese related. Well, both of us have I not been eating as much with, carbs, so it's just it's bad timing. It I made it with turkey wings. And it was delicious. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> That's some nigga shit. <laughs> sushi rice with turkey wings. It was absolutely delicious. <laughs> with gravy, it was good. It's terrible. It was really good. So I know you're glad we got it. Mm, um, actually actually that's probably like the only rice i've been able to successfully uh make i'm really haven't been good with making rice i think it's because it, it's it soaks up so much that it mm. takes so long for you to fuck it up and burn it mm, yeah like thin rice i'm also like kind of really skeptical of rice now because i've watched a couple of those like facebook fake rice videos you know what they were like it's plastic or like no, I don't know those videos. <laughs> oh, you know why he doesn't know these videos, ladies and gentlemen? Because my 23-year-old brother is not on social media. Yeah. At all. Like, you have accounts, but you just don't check them. Do you do you even have them on your phone? Uh, Only Instagram, I think. Because you are a photographer who needs to utilize Instagram. He's also yeah, going to... Say. You definitely have to... Yes, it's like... That's, what do you mean, that's what they say? It's like being the fashion designer with no, like, clothes in the store could be hot no it could not be hot i don't know it could be a wave oh all these all these terminologies i'm not it's i, I realized never heard the word wave i've heard of wave but you're like i feel like you're trying to wow. talk extra colloquial now because you want to be hip <laughs> <laughs> what are we talking about um rice <laughs> we're talking turkey about rice you're going to take that's the name of this episode turkey wings and sushi rice yeah. um but what do you? What is your? I look. What is your viewpoint? I brought up Astro Astro Boy. What was mm-hmm. his name? Astro Boy, because we were talking about the Japanese manga. Manga. You said mm-hmm. that wrong on, on purpose. <laughs> no, I, I was really thinking you. manga. <laughs> manga. Manga. No manga. Why well, you got me? It's manga. M- manga. Yeah. Okay, manga. Um, and so you love Japanese culture, and you've been there twice. I would do it and not say I love it. It's I. You there are went, things you, I appreciate. You about wrote it. applications and That's got like, grants. Oh, you <laughs> eat croissants and you went to France. You love French culture. Like, so, oh, it's just there's one thing. There's a thing I appreciate. And you I mean visited to tell me that it. you went to Japan two summers in a row because you like the comic Not books. In a row, so let's take a little step back. You went to Japan two years in a row. Not in a row. You went to Japan you twice. And said the same thing. <laughs> you went to Japan twice in three years. For fucking comic books? No. I went there. I wanted to learn the language. 
And then the second time, I got money to go to do a photo project. So I went to do a photo project. Yeah, that's a lot for a photo project. I'm just saying, I would like to, I mean, I assume that you like the place for you to pick it twice. Yeah, I mean, if someone's going to pay me to travel internationally to make artwork, then, like, I'd want to go somewhere that, like, I've, like, experienced to know I can make something there. And I've been there before and liked it. So what was your experience like there in the space where there were no, well, very, very, very few people of color? Did you have any, um, what's it called, it? existential moments? Um, yeah, I mean, I guess it was just interesting. The stuff I did there was to make, the attention was to make a photo project about people from the African diaspora and kind of use Japan as like a case study of a country that is largely ethnically homogenous. And so, therefore, those of a non-Japanese ethnic representation would stand out more and kind of use that as, like, an extreme sense of, like, oh, well, what would it look like to be black in this place where most people are all one thing um, and have, like, historically been as such. And so, I went there. I was hoping to meet, like, people who maybe grew up in Japan because their parents were in the military or maybe people who are half Japanese, um, half, like, um, you know, like Nigerian or like African American or what have you. Um, and I, I think like largely the thing I learned was that it was just really hard to differentiate some of the stuff I wanted to photograph because I went there with like a clear idea in mind of like what kind of racial situations I thought would be ripe for documentation. And then what I found was like I thought things were like more racially charged than maybe people who were there interpreted them as. I mm -hmm. think it's because like I'm so used to having like an American lens of like, oh, like this, you know, I come in a restaurant, everyone like looks up at me and like, oh, like I'm not meant to be here. Like have all these kind of like flashbacks of things that might have happened here in the States or here in New York. And then, or like, you know, police follows me around. I'm thinking like stop and frisk and all this other stuff. But like, that's not what people grew up with there. And so like, it doesn't read the same way. And so they aren't maybe like, emotionally affected in the same way as so, i was so, so you were projecting initially i mean i don't i wouldn't say like initially it's not really like a it's not like a projection that i can control it was more just like that's just how i see the world and it's like ingrained in me but that's not how everyone else sees the world and i think they have their own things that maybe i'm not able to see that's based on like how they see the world so there might be different things that they see um based on like maybe xenophobia um but it's not maybe like race specific mm -hmm. that they experience there like just not being japanese rather than like being black yeah and yeah um, it's all about the cultural um expectations and have so many rules yeah so so that, that was just interesting yeah i mean i don't think that's like i, I could never make anything there but i think it would just take a, a deeper understanding of like what my vices are coming in and what maybe you know whoever i'm working with has coming in and figuring out something that like better mitigates those two things rather than presupposing that like not like both of us are objective somehow. Mm -hmm. And so how would you, how would you explain your experience as a black man in this country versus being in other places? Cause you've been around the world. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like I don't want to answer that. I feel like that's a question I'd answer maybe like close towards the end of my life, but I haven't, I haven't lived enough to give any like big, big surveys on my experience so far. Hmm. Wow. 
why are millennials so cool for school? What? Like cool for school? Like too cool for school. Why are millennials too cool for school? What? What do you mean? Like this? You You're have, very hung up on this millennial stuff, by the way. Um, because I'm trying to make sure that you have a purpose on my podcast. Since you don't post anything about social media, I want to get your experience, a your viewpoint. <laughs> Well, you oh. just said you wanted to do a podcast, and then yeah, I, yeah, yeah. when I try to, t- so what would you do a podcast about? I don't know, just talk, just talk about anything. But you really just grill me. What's it like being a millennial? Do you feel queer? Well, you know Are what you it is. Straight? No, <laughs> I feel like because I just turned thirty-eight, I feel like I am really settling into not my age per se, but I realize that I think I'm at that point where my brain is not really quick to adapt to new shit. I think I'm at that point now where, you know, like we hear mom and dad be like, well, why are they doing that like that? That I don't understand. You know, like I'm mm-hmm. almost, I feel like there's certain things that people are doing now. And I'm like, well, why, y'all? why we got to change that? I mean, I feel like everyone, I feel like it's sometimes like a cop out to think that people can stop like, like that you aren't going to be able to keep evolving or like adapt to things. Like maybe when you reach like 50 or 60 or like older, I could see that, but, like, I think just the only difference is, like, you know, while maybe these things are happening in media or, like, cultural changes, like, I was in school and, like, surrounded by people my age who are constantly talking about it or experiencing it or talking about, like, things that they've seen in their own life. And so, it's just, like, it makes you more hyper aware. And so, even if I were coming to some of the conversations with a completely different view, like, odds are my thoughts would change over four years in college living next to hundreds of people my age who are talking about it daily. Whereas like now that I'm out of school, like I definitely see how like the, you know, intensity of conversation might diminish if like you only see people at work and you mostly just talk about work or if you only get to hang out with friends like twice a week over drinks, you're not going to have a huge debates over, you know, the past week of political topics or what have you. Like you're just going to kind of catch up or just talk about who you're seeing or who you're not seeing or who did what, like, I just think it's like a matter of like intensity of conversation or proximity of people around you that like kind of shake up your world. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think it has to do with like, oh, this generation's more prime than that generation. Like even like um, what was it like? I feel like people in the sixties were like the flower child era. Like yeah. they were way more hippies. Um, yeah, like socialists in some ways than we were. And it's just about that's probably what happens if you had a bunch of people protesting a war, like people who are just kind of like going to concert venues that aren't meant to be these big extravagant financial fees, but just hanging out, sitting in like tents talking all week. I think it's just more about like people who seem to have a wider range of thought often just people who are hanging out with a wider range of people. Yeah. Um, do you have any questions for me? No, um, uh, well, we should talk about something. What do you want to talk about? I don't know. I I thought we were going to be talking about like different like topics and just giving our takes on them. I feel like you're going, what are your takes on the things you've asked me? Um, well, it's interesting. I know people are listening to this and being like, if y'all are brother and sister, why are y'all like asking these questions of the other person? But I think it's when you are related to somebody and you live with them that you don't have these deep conversations. Like you and I do talk. We do talk. 
um, every once in a while, we'll like, you know, find ourselves in the midst of a good conversation. Not every once in a while, but at least like probably once or twice a week. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I think I'm getting to understand who you are as a as an adult in the way you view things and your opinion on things versus just being like my little brother. The concept of this podcast of which you've never listened to is I ask my guests to share a social media post and then I break it down and start a conversation. Oh, that's why you were asking all that stuff. So, yeah, so it is, you know, it is a long-form interview where I get to really use my journalistic chops. Wait, so share one of their posts or just a post? Their post. Let's just talk about a post then and not my post. What do you think about the Liam Neeson thing where he was saying he was walking around with a gun to... Um, it's interesting because a part of me is like, I'm sure he was surprised by the response. I feel like he probably felt like his admission would allow like a teachable moment versus being fodder for both sides, you know, of the aisle to continue. What do you think? What's the other side? I think, I think one side is like, he didn't do anything wrong. He just said he thought about it. Versus people being like, no, him thinking about it is wrong. Mm -hmm. And um, and I think that it's a very, you know, I I saw a club today. um, What's her name? Christiana Amanpour was interviewing Spike Lee and she showed him the clip of Liam Neeson apologizing, saying he's not racist. And then Spike Lee raised a good point. And he said that um, that we especially in America, because also Liam is not American. He's like. Irish, or mm-hmm. I think it's Irish, Irish, English, whatever. Um, they don't have, and we just talked about this before we started, they don't have the history that we have here with race relations and black people. And so in America, there's been probably hundreds, if not thousands of uh, men and children, young boys of color, and some women too, who were lynched and killed as a result of a white woman saying that they did something to them. They flirted. You know, Emmett Till is probably the most uh, well-known. Do you know who Emmett Till is? Yes. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, like, I mean, it's not like I had like a whole curriculum on Emmett Till when you was in college. I'm just black. <laughs> like, I mean, oh, wait, so is that, is that the way? I mean, I don't know. I, I feel listen. like Emmett Till is like, like, um, like, like I would say common knowledge or like common knowledge adjacent. Like I feel like it is something that you would naturally be exposed to. At least at my age, by twenty three, I feel like most black people, if you didn't don't know about it, I feel like you just maybe weren't. Well, you went to a lot of white schools, so I feel like that'd be even more reason to know about it and how it was tied to the civil like it, I feel like it would be taught more. Did you feel like you had a good like um black history education throughout school i mean i feel like it came through like school plus family plus extracurricular oh, stuff oh do you remember when i tried to get you to go to harlem every saturday yeah the schomburg center thing. yeah and you hated it yeah i mean i just didn't like i didn't i don't want to diss the program <laughs> on here I, I just felt like it was like a little disorganized while i was there i didn't like and i just didn't like taking the train more like you know i always had to take the train like an hour plus to go to school in the during the weekday, so I didn't want to do it again on Saturday. So my brother we always went to very prestigious private schools, and we live in Brooklyn, and his schools are always in the city, so that's why he had a long commute. But 
But because I am low-key sister soldier fighter and advocate for all things black, I pushed him to go and be surrounded by other black people because I didn't want him to have the experience of being like the token black kid in white spaces who couldn't be around his own people. So I would get all riled up and get my mom hyped and be like, Mom, we gotta send them to the mom has never been hyping her way. <laughs> but I I've would, never seen my mother hype about anything. But I would sell her on it. I'd be like, we gotta get him playing African drums. He need to have some dashikis mm-hmm. in his closet. Like I don't want no Carlton Banks ass brother. Yo, I'm gonna make you watch that episode of where they Carlton's like I'm black too. Oh, well, we'll I mean Fresh yeah, Prince yeah. Miller. I'm make you watch that. I don't remember that episode. But Do you remember that show? Yes, I remember that show. I watched that show before you were even alive. Really? Oh, well, you might have been. When did when did Fresh Prince come out? I think I was alive while it was out. I, yeah, but you know, it wasn't like your thing. You probably saw it in repeats. I was watching it f- fresh. fresh. <laughs> <laughs> um, what was I saying before you? Uh, no, we were talking about. I, I don't know what you're talking about, but I want to talk about the Liam Neeson thing again. Oh yeah, yeah. So so yeah, that's what we were talking about. So. Um, I think in this country, we have a history of, you know, white women or white people claiming um, that black people have done things to them. And we're instantly, you know, already found guilty or attacked or brutalized. So make sure your phone's not too close because I don't want to get static on this thing. So I think that was a good thing that he brought up because it's like, yeah, just hearing that he, Liam Neeson, went out. If you don't know the story, I mean, how can you not by the time this airs? Liam Neeson said that, you know, 40 years ago, he had a friend who um, was allegedly raped by a black person, a black man, 1996. You were one years old when it came out. Are you on motherfucking Tinder right no. now? How the fuck you want to get Why on Tinder? I chose to say allegedly. Oh, uh, because I mean, the woman hasn't spoken out about her being raped and she hasn't, you know, had a police report. So I just say alleged. It's just a journalist to me. Okay. Alleged saves you from any culpability. Okay. Um, culpability. You know what I'm saying? You ever seen First Forty Eight? With like, if you're a friend of a friend who did a crime, you automatically committed that crime. But you're not her friend. I know, but I'm saying like, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm saying like, you know, I don't. I feel like if you say that something definitively happened, where there's like, you know, room for doubt. I hear what you're saying. I just feel like if I'm telling a story, go. I feel like it's like an extra. Like if, if I told she a, told us, if she told the story, if she's if it was her first person, then I would say she she says that she was raped by a black. But he's this secondhand man who had a motive. You know what I'm saying? So like, who said who's to say he didn't make that whole shit up just to be like, yeah, one time I used to be racist and I'm not racist no more because he would like if he said it trying to defend a white queen that people would be like, oh, I guess that kind of makes sense. It doesn't make sense at all. I'm just saying allegedly because he's an actor. He could be lying. Then I would just say like I would have phrased it like Liam Neeson said that he was walking around allegedly because of this situation not like no he wasn't allegedly walking he was walking he was walking because of an alleged situation yeah 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 but like if you put if you said he was allegedly walking means like you're questioning whether or not he was physically walking i'm questioning or not whether or not his motive for walking was this rape yeah no i agree with that but i'm saying the way you phrase it sounded more like like 
the I rape was, itself oh, was, was like, alleged. Was alleged. Oh, not like, yeah, yeah. You know, like that might not have been the true reason. I feel like if you're like the rape itself could have been alleged. To me, it's like an extra step of questioning. Whether this woman was victimized yeah, or not. Where it's just like you don't really need to go off. But that's know? but that's the thing that Speckley brought up is like, well, was she? We don't know because we have a history in America of white women saying that they have been victimized and they were not, and innocent black men were killed. So you always have to take things with like a grain of salt when it comes to that sort of race racial disparity because one group is always going to be considered guilty and be and be penalized if not brutalized just because they are of mm-hmm. color. So that's the thing that Spike Lee said and it raised some good points because in America we still have that, you know, and we don't have lynchings but you do have successful black men in this country who have allegations come up against them from, you know, women of all different races and they're instantly, you know, in a sense, financially handicapped or ostracized, you know, and I just think that especially in this, especially in America where we have proven documented history of women lying and causing the loss of you know black men we need to be very critical of things that come up yeah i mean i i think like it never hurts to be like you know um like hyper aware of like the reality of situations uh i i was just thinking more about like i always think it's interesting or strange how a lot of like white celebrities will react to some of these things by saying like i'm not racist um because i feel like i always i mean i think probably every white person's racist not probably i, I would almost assert so um well, I, I could it, like understand a different mode of thought but like to me it's like it'd be like if you know i said something at a party and some woman came to me and, and like word got around they're like oh chad said this like really sexist or like misogynistic thing and i was like oh i'm not i got on the news i went on all my socials and i was like i'm not sexist by the way like i feel like uh, all right cool that's you clearly just trying to combat that thing because you don't want to have this bad image but like probably every man is sexist just like baseline so like i can't i can't ever act like i am like holier than thou like oh no 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 like i'm not problematic at all like i'm i'm good like i'm a good guy like i feel like I feel like at some point you have to admit like, yeah, I mean, I probably fuck up like because I've just been trained to think a certain type of way, which, you know, maybe a hundred thousand years from now, I'll be like, oh, shit. Like, I don't even I don't even realize right now how problematic some of the stuff I might say thinking it's like fine is or like that some of the things I might do or actions or ways I hold myself might just inherently be sexist or take up space in a room. And like, I feel like if I can like it's not fun to say that like yeah like i'm probably on some level baseline sexist yeah but, like, i mean, I mean how can like a white we're, person i feel like stand up and be like oh but i'm just not racist like i feel like that's that yeah this that's like, taking no oh, like, responsibility yeah. in your like role in the world because by by default the way you um look is impacts how people treat you and so that shapes your experience so you would never know that your disbelief in and us saying that we have a harder time operating in this world is views as racist. Yeah. Or it's just like, I feel like that's such a weird way to combat you, an action you've done. Like, 
to be like, oh, this one time I did this thing and I'm ashamed of doing it. I think that was kind of interesting that I feel like that to me like hinged apart. Like I wasn't like super inflamed when I heard. Um, I think that he I think that he thought that we were way more progressive than we were than we are because it's progressive the word like well i mean past that i mean if in 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 a perfect world someone admitting a previous experience that is negative as a learning lesson would be applauded but because and i feel it like this past week when i've been performing like i definitely feel like a different shift in the energy do you feel it why you made that face for? Well, I don't perform. No, no, no. What I'm just saying, like in your in your experience going out, hanging out socially, like I feel like people are way more um, tense when it comes to racial issues. And I think that this is what I want to say, because I'm trying to make a clear enough point about Liam Neeson. I think that his comments were weaponized on both sides. And I think that he thought that by admitting something like it's like saying like, yeah, I used to, you know, 20 years ago when I was broke, I used to steal. And then somebody being like, well, you should be arrested right now. And you're like, but that was 20 years ago when I'm showing, telling you my, I'm showing you my growth from that moment. And you're trying to hold me into something that happened 20 years ago. Well, I think it's just all about how you present the thing. Like, I feel like that's why I was Well, saying- he was in a junket for a show. I mean, you know, all his movies are about revenge anyway. So he was in a junket for his latest movie. And they were saying, that was there ever a moment where you wanted to seek revenge? And he said, uh, actually. Yeah. I mean, again, like, I, I haven't even watched that full interview. So I, I won't say I'm, like, the most well-read to be talking about so this. Why you ask me my opinion about it, then? Because I want to know. Sometimes I want to know shit. That's it. <laughs> Um, anyway, it's like, um, but yeah, like I, like from what I read, you know, and about it, I haven't actually watched the full thing. Um, but it, like, I, I feel like it's when he said, I think at some point, like, oh, I am ashamed to say that, like, I did this other thing like mm-hmm. that. Um, to me, it's like, all right, well, if you know that that's a thing to be ashamed about, then you shouldn't be mad or like, you shouldn't try to, uh, you know, erase any anger other people have about your actions because you know that your actions have reason to Mm -hmm. inspire anger like you're the one like if i said like i'm ashamed to say that you know i like killed someone at one point then if all people come at me and start mentioning like oh yo you killed this person what's crazy i can't be like yo word but i'm not a bad guy it's like i already said i'm ashamed so i should know that like i've gone through the period of realizing i don't appreciate those actions yeah and like while I've had that, like no one else knew that, so it's not like I can expect them to be as you know even keeled about it as I am after having spent years coming to terms with what I've done. Like they haven't had those years, so obviously people are gonna have whatever. You know, I mean, I think that's even kind of like the Kevin Hart thing, where it's like I understand, you know, how he might have felt like having explained himself in the past, but for people who weren't here for that or didn't know about it then, like clearly they're gonna have a whole new reaction because they didn't. That was not a part of their view involving yeah. him. And so it's new for them. And clearly they're going to be, you know, angry. And I feel like they shouldn't have to be, I don't know, I feel like they shouldn't have to rush that process of like expressing themselves just because he might have said sorry previously. Yeah. When they didn't even know he existed. I mean, at first, when I first heard about the whole Liam thing, I was like, yeah, that's wild. Um, 
but I didn't know like what was asked of him. I just felt like he just, I thought that he just like came out with this information. I was like, this is not the time nor the place. But since I realized that it was in response to like a revenge, revenge question to me, I think, I think that we have a long way to go when it comes to race relations in the world. Um, but I also think that people are hypersensitive to any mention of, um, of like racial tension and then I think they're I think they're angry at the at the symptom, but they're not angry at the root of it. So if I heard a story about Liam Neeson saying that I'm gonna go out and like beat up black people, or in the case of like the governor in Virginia, Northam, like he said he put on blackface, like instead of me saying, Well, they need they need some um diversity training and sensitivity training and they got the motherfucking governor of Virginia trying reading black books now. It's like that's not gonna solve it. I think what's gonna solve it is an open dialogue and and a communi- communicating like you going out in the street and wanting to fight black men is indicative of a system that has led you to believe that black men should be beaten up. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I I hear you, but I also just feel like why, like, the the people who are, like, easily incensed over things like this, and, like, I think rightfully so, um, are often the people who I feel like historically didn't get to have a say on any of these topics. And so I feel like the first, like, I don't think we're even there yet where, like, we have the power to be really pushing for some of these larger systemic changes like we're only just now able to have a more like fulfilled voice to be able to like comment all the little microaggressions and stuff that goes out. And so when something happens and people immediately like immediately over Twitter are like going through it or like making memes about it, all this other stuff, I feel like that comes from a history of where like you had to hold your mouth over every little thing and now it's like years of this kind of cultural feeling or memory of like you're not allowed to talk about certain stuff is like becoming opened. And like, of course, the first few years or decades of that are kind of become like a flood of, of or torrent of like emotions and thought and like quick forming ideas because like that's just not what you were allowed to do before. And like now you are, you're like excited about that. Like you want to be able to say like this shit's fucked up. That you know I don't agree with this. Like, but do you feel do you feel like when you say this shit's fucked up that you have an actual say in making change, or you do you have somewhat of a defeated mentality of being like oh, it's not going to ever change. I mean, I don't think it's always about like every time I say something's fucked up or that I don't like I don't fuck with something. It's not always about me looking for the immediate change. It's about me just having to be able to have the validation to say that loudly and hear other people say it or hear other people agree with it. Like I feel like sometimes like the hardest part before you even get to the change is like even knowing that other people or like even having the moment to realize other people see what you see or feel what you feel about mm-hmm. something like. First, it's about looking around and saying like, oh, we all we all saw that. We all realized that was messed up. That makes me feel so much better. All right. Now, what are we all going to do about it? And like, I think sometimes we're all in a space where it's like, oh, wow, we're all just realizing something. Um, and then like you want to move forward. But even in terms of the process of moving forward, it's like a lot of that movement becomes stunted by the same people who I feel like cause those problems when they don't really um, when it's like their turn to get kind of like be a part of this conversation and they step back so like the Liam Neeson thing like you know I feel like there's so many ways he could have addressed this that would have like kind of helped build a better conversation around it but then when you kind of just go oh no but I'm not racist and do a little subsequent press tour about not being racist Mm -hmm. it's like well 
all right, like how how are we supposed to have this conversation? It's not just all on our end. Those of us who are like people of color, it's like you need to you need to know that the person you want to make the changes or like the system that is oppressing a certain type of minority people is going to be something that is amenable. And mm-hmm. like if it's clearly not, then like doesn't matter how much I push for a bigger change. Like if there's no one on the other side trying to work together, then it's just not going to happen. Mm-hmm. So I, I really wanted to know, like you brought up this conversation about Liam Neeson and we talked about race and um, then you got on Tinder. So actually I was, I got distracted. I was looking for this quote, which I just found. But you went on Tinder first. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have ADD? Maybe. But, uh, I mean, I don't know, but uh, this was the, the thing. Do you know the the David Foster Wallace um, speech? Like, this is water? Uh, tell tell, tell me like, about I'll it. I'll send you this New York article, but um, here's the, the quote, and then we'll talk about it. Um, so, there are these two young fish swimming along, and they happen to meet an older fish swimming the other way, who nods at them and says, morning, boys, how's the water? And the two fish swim along on the other way. And a little bit later, they turn to each other and they go, what the hell is water? Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's the thing of like, you don't know mm-hmm. that you're like within a certain system when you're in it. Like you just can't see it. Like fish don't know that they're in water. They're just living. There was a debate. Um, is is a fish wet when it's in is water? Is water wet or was a fish wet? Mm-hmm. I don't know. But uh, the fish doesn't think it's wet. It's yeah. like. It's like if a tree falls in the forest, does it make noise? I think it's a little different. But anyway, how is that a little different? <laughs> I don't know what you you just went three two different metaphors away from what I was talking about. But no, I'm saying that the but what is noise to a tree? Chill. <laughs> <laughs> I can't with you. <laughs> I don't even know. Because <laughs> you know, it made sense. No, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. That made a lot of sure sense. That made a lot of sense. <laughs> it made no sense. Is it the fish? No, it didn't. So, Anyways, back off of what I'm saying. It's like fishes don't know they're in water, and the idea is like you don't know that you. <laughs> it makes it made no sense. It made no sense. Not at all. If a fish doesn't know it's wet. A tree doesn't know what a sound is. So it doesn't apply to their life. No, because the idea is like, you can't be, like sound is pervasive. Like it's all throughout. Like it's, it's not like the tree doesn't hear the sound, but the sound's still there. But like, you cannot be in water. Like you can't not be with sound. Hold my closer to you. Like just because you don't hear sound doesn't mean sound isn't doesn't exist. Yeah, but like fish, it's like you can you know we are existing and not in water. Like, yeah, but but the fish can't exist without water. You why you not getting this? Like, Yo, you get hung up on all the wrong details. I swear. I swear. I think I always get hung up on the wrong details in life. No. Anyways, the point is, like, you don't know what systems you're a part of because you can't see them from the outside objectively. Like, you just are in Got them. It. So, 
like fish can't be like oh this is where water is it's where water stops like this is it because they're just in it like you we only can see it from a certain way because we are outside of the water mm-hmm. yeah. so that point of their being like i feel like for liam neeson as like a white man to say like i'm not racist or any other celebrity who has been called out for something either like race related like sexist homophobic or what have you to be able to say like you are not that thing as if like you have some kind of like divine ability to like look through your life and see what you are or are not systemically a part of just feels very like false and um I don't know, almost like slightly malicious to be kind of like closing down that conversation as if you know better. And so I feel like for him or anyone else, like when they say these things and when their immediate reaction to any kind of public pushback is like, oh, I'm not that, then like I feel like, well, then you're also just not a part of the solution because you yeah. want to just brand yourself not just as like a ally, but as like blameless. And I feel yeah. like a true way moving forward is to be like yeah no i am also kind of um you know subject to the same forces mm-hmm. that like create these things and like i'm working to be better and like this was a, a case where i wasn't the best i could have been and like i see that and anyone who you know feels like rightly so that like uh, there's reason to be angry with me like i agree with you and like i'm trying to be better than that but i hear everything you're saying but what what I, my point is is like i think that he in his mind he thought that he was saying that when he made his confession but people aren't willing to hear that you know like even like even if he came out saying like i did something that was really terrible many years ago and i understand that my my racial biases or insensitivities you know put me on this path of destruction like even if he had even if he had prefaced it with all of that stuff acknowledging growth and wrongdoing people st- like we st- i think we're part of this culture now where everything is like so what like so what you apologize and you feel bad you shouldn't have did it and it's like yeah but that's a part of life is doing things that you aren't you know you you have to have your experiences of being like i did something and it was wrong and i learned from it but i think because of like social media people are like yeah so what but you shouldn't have did it in the first place and it's like that's not how you live life but i think I, I don't Wait, know. Wait, let me just clear up. I'm not trying to say that. I'm not trying to say that he should have gone out and like try to like kill a black person. I'm just saying that he learned a lesson from it. And I think that life is about having experiences, whether they're good or bad, and learning a lesson and uh, and applying it to your life to be a better person. But if you are, if we're constantly having this mentality of being like, well, you shouldn't have, you shouldn't have did that in the first place, regardless of what the lesson was that made you a better person then you trying to basically stifle people from living life. I mean, I, I don't know any person, especially not like a person with a platform or celebrity that has given like a very nuanced apology that hasn't tried to separate themselves from the problem. As I know, but I'm so I good think, at apologies. I know exactly what they all should do and they don't listen. I mean, I don't, they don't hear me. They don't like, I don't write them, but in the Kevin Hart situation, right? When he got busted for um, having used anti-gay or homophobic tweets in the past, many, many years ago, he the first thing he's supposed to say is, I did it. I know it's wrong now. I've come so far with my views pertaining to the LGBTQ community, so much so that I have donated X amount of money to these organizations 
And let's use this platform now, this conversation that we're having to make it a teachable moment so people know that it's not okay to use this language and donate to these charities because these are the people that need our love and support. It's not about me. It's about a moment in time that has passed. I'm not that person anymore. And I am an advocate. I don't know. I think Run that the, money. I think like that I wouldn't believe that because it feels like now you're bringing in this kind of financial solvent or like solve after like you've after there was like this period of like no one even hearing you kind of talk about this topic. Like I feel like if you were to really approach that well, then it's like at whatever point between him writing those tweets and now if he knew that was like a part if he knew that those were things were wrong. Um, or anyone who's done anything and knows that they're wrong. Hopefully, your conduct after coming to the recognition that, like, a realization that you made or did something mm-hmm. that you don't support anymore, like all your conduct from that point forward would be to kind of undo the harm or damage as you I did. I know, but so, he didn't realize that he didn't realize that what he did was wrong until people brought it to his attention. Well, then I feel like people have the right to free, like, be like, yeah, like you're not doing anything about it, like you yeah. know, like. I feel like, for instance, if you have someone who, um, say like like Mark Wahlberg or whatever, right? Um, who, who was who was allegedly a part of a hate crime? Yeah, exactly. Right. So he like well, um, he did that. Yeah, he yeah, was like yeah, convicted. No, I think, I think. He, yeah, he. Um, watch out with the alleged. Uh, you giving too many people. Passes okay. like yeah. no. I'm like, saying I just I say allegedly because I don't remember if he was convicted. No, he, he was convicted. It. I think. Oh, okay. I just think he got like no real yeah, no time. No real time. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, like, um, you know, he was a part of this hate crime, and you know, I don't know what he's done between here and now, but like, if if someone came up to like and heard about that, and you and like he had an interview, and someone questioned him about that, and he had said like, you know, after that, ten years ago like or 10 years after that event and 10 years past from now like i um you know started volunteering with this like all this money of proceeds from like my wall burgers like ever since the inception has gone towards like to help immigration to help um you know like uh like esl classes mm-hmm. or also if there was like some kind of proven history that's like he has fundamentally changed his conduct since that's happened or since he's realized what's been wrong about that to the point where there are other people who can like Speak to just like new, um, like these like new improvements he's made in his life. Then I'd be like, yeah, like you have given a nuanced apology, and like I've seen that that apology is not just you know words, but it's like something that's affected all your actions like since that moment. But if you're just like, as soon as something comes up, be like, yeah, y'all didn't know that I gave a hundred thousand dollars to this, and like here's a list of charities that like you know you can't be mad at me for suggesting because we really should donate to them. Then I'm like, you're just trying to you know divert attention so there's no there's it's damned if you do damned if you don't no it's just actually be your reward like actually be people who are reflective about what you've done like be like you don't need to be passive about like looking through your actions i feel like the problem is is that people act as like everyone knows that if you've done something that might not be great or everyone can take inventory of like i might not be proud of stuff i've done in my life or look back and say am i proud let me like give a little good think like you know, the stories like stories are happening all over the cross the news. Like, if you knew you like the Virginia government, like if you knew that you wore blackface or you were part of that, you don't need to wait till someone investigates you. Like as soon as I, I see someone on the news, I'm like, oh shit, I did that. And no wait, like I would know, and I would then immediately be like, 
damn, I need to think about that. Like, don't wait for someone to pop up on you. Well, no, no, and then but, be like, but nah, that, let me address yeah, it. Yeah, but when you talk about the system and the fish and all that stuff, like he didn't, he grew up in a in an environment where it was okay. It was a joke that, and that was so interesting because everybody's going through old yearbooks and pulling out all of these like racially insensitive photos, and you know, I just saw a thread today where somebody pointed out like how like basically like white teenagers or college students when they in their yearbook they like some of them had nigger as a nickname like nigger john or you know nigger merit like just you know that insinuated that they were you know i don't know really what it meant it's insinuated but like for a woman's case it was like she likes like you know she's a slut she likes black guys and um so that's why she got like nigger attached to her nickname but i think that was so a part of the culture and it was so widely accepted for him to self check after all of this time, it would, it would have make me, it would make him unravel his complete identity. Cause he was like, you know, it's like, well, who am I and what am I about? If that Go was your it. normal. Yeah. But he, but there's no need for him to do that. Like you're asking him to do self inventory and there's no need for him to do that. Cause he doesn't think there's anything wrong with him until somebody else brings it up. And he's like, Oh yeah, I did do blackface for Michael Jackson. Well, I know that he has no seen other people be called out for this stuff in the public, like public eye. And even if he like, wouldn't personally walk around the day and be like, yo, let me think about what I did in college or in med school or whatever. I know that when he saw some celebrity or some, you know, other politician getting called out for doing something, there must be some part of him that triggers like things he's done. Well, that's why the attorney general of Virginia, he came out early. He was like, hey, y'all. So, yeah, I did blackface, too. Just want to let y'all know. But I think that the thing that you're like alluding to is, yes, you know, when you've done something wrong. Right. But I think that honestly, the blackface thing wouldn't have because even when I first heard that they were calling for his resignation because he did a blackface photo in 1984, I was like, that's a bit rushed. But then I realized that because he's a Democrat, Democrats are going to be like, yeah, he should resign because that's what they would expect of the GOP. And the GOP would never do that. The GOP has proven again and again that they let so much racial shit slide. Like, I mean, who do we have for our president? Like he came down an escalator and was like, this and a rapist from Mexico. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you have one side that's clearly erased every line of decorum and they're showing their racial insensitivity in racism, blatant racism, then the other side can't still be, you know, tiptoeing in the grass being like, well, we're going to be dignified. Like you're going to end up allowing the GOP to force you to abandon some people in in your platform because they found a picture of them in a year. But like, like, I mean, when I just read something today that it was like, basically the governor of Virginia, uh, Northam was on a radio, uh, interview in studio radio interview and this video of him in the radio booth. And they asked him basically about like late term abortion or like medical induced, um, births and all that stuff. And he basically gave like, a pro a pro-life answer like it will be up to the mother to decide what she wants to do with her child right and then somebody posted that and it went viral and it got like four million views on twitter and like other social media and then only then did that yearbook picture come out so you have an you have a situation where allegedly you know 
people are so anti women's bodies rights and pro-life all of these anti-abortion people are so rabid about this point that when they heard a democrat given like a pro-life response they went and found something to like pull up to kind of like um what's that what do you call it like tarnish not tarnish but like the something you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. fame. Uh, defame him yeah so now now it's kind of like now the democrats have no choice but to kind of um you know distance themselves from him because that's the moral compass that that's the moral standard that that the party operates on so you know what i'm saying so i think they they they're weaponizing our morality and you know our like sensitivities because they want to undermine the entire democratic process. I mean, I know I just turned into a whole conspiracy theory, but like that's what I'm saying. Like when you hold people to the standard where you don't allow any flexibility, you could that can be take that can be used to take advantage of you. Like uh, I hear that, and I don't want to go too in depth because like, again, I feel like I'm not as well read about his particular situation or like the current, i'm smart i appreciate the, that Thanks. the the timeline of like what was happening <laughs> you don't give me um, no compliments but as i was saying um <laughs> like i i think like the problem to me is more just that i feel like too many people especially politicians and that they will like double down all the wrong things like i feel like again back on like how do you phrase um your own self-reflections like how do you phrase like apologies it's like for him to be like that could have been me like i'm not sure like or all these other things well it's i think like, I he realized like, that he was being pushed out like i don't think he realized i don't think that he thought that all i mean literally like every person that was run, that's like preliminary running for uh president on a de- democratic side was like he needs to resign he needs to resign he needs to resign he needs to resign and it's the same thing what happened with the democratic party and al franken is like al franken had this photo um where he was like po- you know posing suggestively um over a sleeping woman I remember that, yeah. sleeping woman um military a military woman on like a plane like he was doing like probably some so s us soul tour or yeah. whatever um anyway so these like pictures came out and it's kind of like because the democratic party is so adamant about tr- it's like put like this the prime example it's like you and i live together right and you know i'm always eating very healthy i would love for you to tell people how i actually do eat clean um you should probably like reiterate that i eat clean because i have a book coming out called fuck your diet so you live with me and you see how i eat say something yeah she eats well she eats well um but imagine right imagine if me eating well is only fueled by my trying to show you how to eat well yeah, I mean, I think I hear what you're saying, but and I, I think we probably agree on some front. But like what I feel like is when you give these kind of like apologies like he was giving, um, it's like, why should why should I or like people like me um, like want to like if say like I turned away from what, like supporting him, like why should I turn back if it seems like you will just kind of give whatever answer that seems like kind of fake and kind of like I mean, I think, to push off the blame. Yeah, he pan- like, I mean, he definitely panics. He didn't he didn't think that people would call for his resignation. He thought that he would have been able to apologize and move forward, but it people made it clear that even though he was going to apologize, it was not going to be enough. And I kind of want to know like I 
yes, blackface is fucked up and he should have known better because he was a grown adult in medical school. And I think the the bigger thing for me is like not about how his blackface could affect his political career. It's like, how did your blackface phase affect your medical career treating people? I mean, yeah. I talk about this in my brand new web series. Yeah, go called, watch it. It's good. It's good. Um, called <laughs> you just rolled your eyes. No, I didn't. Yes, you did. No, I didn't. Um, it's called the world is terrible. Uh, and it just debuted last week. So go check it out. But I kind of break down like how systematically racial bias has contributed to medical disparities, treatments of people of color. Yeah. But anyway, I just think like oh, it's so dismissive. No, it was good. It was good. Um, but anyway, I just think like for me if he is this political figure um like you should vote for someone or to stay in office or leave office or what have you who you like believe and like what they believe in and like that you want to know that this person has like firm views and like they're not going to be kind of wishy-washy and i feel like but we don't allow people to change like we don't like if he had come out and said yes that was me and i'm not that person anymore in my experiences and during that time and my ability to see people for who they are has made me a better politician and i want to be here to serve all of my constituents people still would have been like you should have never did blackface in the first place but blackface might have been the catalyst that made him a better politician because he understood the errors of his ways but we will never know that because he's never going to have an honest dialogue about his thought process yeah and that's what i'm saying i think he should have an honest dialogue it's like fuck like don't if you're the type of person i mean i know this is not how politics actually work but like you should care about something you should stand by something you should be about something so regardless of people are going to vote for you or not keep voting for you if you stand for this issue if you really believe in this then you should say you know i was wrong that was me take some responsibility like speak on what you you know, like realize and learn from that situation, even if you're getting voted out of office and still be about and support things you support while you're in office. Like you have, he still has like a platform before he leaves. He still has all the same connections. Maybe people don't want him to be like, you know, a part of the party in the same way or have like a seat, but that doesn't mean that like he was powerless. Like, I feel like if you were, I mean, you said that he might as just think pro-life, but like say like most Democrats, right? If they're like going to be like, I live or die pro-choice, um, then you should be just as hard about like other things. Like if you're going to say like, I'm pro-choice, whether you don't want to vote for me or you want to vote for me, like that's what I believe in. Then you should be like, yeah, I believe that like, you know, blackface is fucked up. I realized I did it, but like, here's my apology because I think it's right to apologize regardless mm-hmm. of if you're going to vote for me or not because you like, you know, like don't fuck with me anymore. It's like, you should be about the things you say you're about. You should have the same level of consistency, the same level of drive towards those things. And I feel like, to me, it's like, oh, well, like, yeah, I mean, if you don't really actually take responsibility on this topic, and if you were just trying to let it, like, blow away, like, like you don't really care about it, or, like, that you don't really see the importance of taking responsibility, then, like, why should, like, why should I care if you stay in office? Like, you don't, that's not really, like, personality traits to I me. I hear everything that, that you're like, saying, and I think you're thinking like a logical person, but I think there's still at least... You know, if I had to do a, a hood estimate, I think there's like a third of the people who are like, we don't care about your growth. You should have never made the fuck up in the first place. And I'm saying that that fuck up might have made the person a better person. And we don't allow people to change. I hear you and I hear what the might have, but I don't think that can be the case if he still can't stand on stage and admit what he did. Like, I don't think you can be a better person and still not have the strength to say that you fucked up and admit it if you realize you fucked up. Like if you can't 
stand on stage and be like, yeah, I realized that and I learned from it, then no, I don't think you're a better person than when it happened. I hear everything that you're saying. Um, so what do you think in your, in your hopes, what do you think the future of this country is? That's a big question. What do you think, what do you think your generation is going to contribute to the future of this country? Are you guys, you think people are going to just continue to go into the two party system and fall into I'm right and you're wrong and, you know, black and white, no middle ground? Or do you think that your generation has the ability to really like break through like the flower power generation of the 60s? I mean, I don't think any one generation has the power to make those changes all on its own. But I would hope that um, like a, a stronger youth turnout and involvement and like voting and like political system will increase to the point where hopefully there's like a enough saturation of voices where even if there are only two parties, like those two parties have a much more diverse range of opinion and like um, stance on different issues. Would you ever run for office? Um, no, I think it was a point where I wanted to be the first black president and after Brock, I was like, well, I mean, you were I'll like, st- I'll stick to this camera. You were like 14. Yeah, we're <laughs> dream big. Um, no, I don't think I really would want to be president. Also, I think like there's just so many things that uh, I would uh, want to be. Pre- I would want to be president just so I can know all the secrets. I don't. I feel like being I'm president is hard. Secrets. It's hard. They all. They all. It's interesting because like Trump. It's probably like one of the few that hasn't aged tremendously he bad. Doing his job. Yeah, he ain't doing his job. <laughs> I wouldn't. Yeah, you're not gonna be stressed if you're not oh, even doing yeah, the job. He, it's but. crazy because he's in there. He don't want to know shit. They like you want to know your intel briefing. He was like, nope. Yeah. You want to know where the aliens are? Nah, I'm good. Oh, I, I just I don't know if I said this on here, but I just saw this like I, ha- I have a personal trainer, um, and he loves conspiracy theories. And so while we're working out, he'll pull up like a YouTube video. And while I was there uh, recently, he pulled up this video clip saying that you know the great inventor Nikolai Tesla, all of the his inventions and paperwork that survived after he passed away were. Um, confiscated by the government and then they turned it over to a scientist to kind of like decipher and break down and see if they could like use any of his technology because he was creating like these like self-charging electrical fields and all of this stuff and um and the scientist that they gave it to was actually donald trump's uncle so then they were like well donald trump's uncle has access to like these high class sophisticated tesla documents and like there was rumors of like a time travel machine that tesla was working on so they were like well what if donald trump has the key to like time travel and like they're dealing with like like our terminator this is our terminator moment where he's like coming back and forth and that's why he's never really out because he's like time traveling shit and that's lost me there but <laughs> he's like laying a foundation for his future you ever you ever see back to the future where um marty mcfly his um nemesis owns biff? Like all biff owns yeah. like all this real estate and shit yeah. like what if like in the future trump it's like oh yeah different timeline something yeah it could i mean be. we also just watched russian doll so yeah it could be um yeah i don't know that's that's interesting what were we talking about right before this i don't know um we were talking about something what was the last topic before Trump or something about presidents? Oh yeah, being president's hard. I wouldn't want to be president because um I feel like it's 
like you can't be i feel like you can't be a good person after having been president like there's too many deaths that are responsible to your i wouldn't say that because i think that after a certain level of carnage that happens before your eyes you just zone out which is why every past president is like sitting somewhere drawing a painting or riding horses Mm -hmm. like they tune out none of them are still yeah but i just feel like it's like i wouldn't want to know that like once i'm like you know my spirit or whatever if like i were to tally all the things that like were a part of my own personal decisions in my life that like the deaths of people overseas would be one of the things i'm responsible for regardless of the reasons like i'm not talking about like good or bad or what have you i'm just saying like it's not even the case where like i'm a soldier where like i was there and i like looked in the eyes and like i pulled the trigger and like you know it's my life or their life like i knew that or like you know, I got orders. I had to do this. Like, I wouldn't want to know that, like, I stood somewhere and I made that call. Like, I might still be like, I made it for the right reasons, but I don't think I'd want to have it on my conscience that that call resulted in X number of deaths or like, you know, we got the guy, but here's the collateral. Like, I, I wouldn't want to know that those things are my responsibility. Mm. I don't. I don't see why I would need to step into that. Yeah, but I also think that you just learn how to cope. You just rationalize it like people rationalize everything else. It's like, all right, I am going to eat ice cream, but I'm not going to eat all ice cream. It's like, no, but you shouldn't have none of I'm it. I'm kill a terrorist, but... <laughs> yeah, like, I'm going to kill a terrorist, but I'm not killing everybody. But not the whole village, just yeah. half the village. Yeah, so I think you just you just rationalize it and being like, well, I was doing it for the greater good. Like, it was us or them, and, you know... Um, I feel like that's just such a slippery slope of, like... Like you can rationalize, like you can rationalize things, and that can make you live a well, like happy life. And I'm not trying to say, like, you know, I want ex presidents to like suffer, but I don't think that means just because you rationalize it that it's like the person who died from those bombs who wasn't related, like they don't care that you can live with you. Like it's, I don't think that like I would want to know. Like say one day, like there was some heaven or like, like say not even a heaven or hell. Say there was just like an intermediary space where like all souls from people went. I wouldn't want to go up there and look down and be like, oh, this thousand souls over there are dead because I gave an order to hit this button. They don't even know me, but like, mm-hmm. it's my, I'm the one, you know? Not like, it'd be different thing if I went up there and I was a soldier and I saw like someone else I was fighting, we lock eyes and I'm like, yeah, that was some shit. You know, you shot me, I shot you, I won. Like, but to be like, these kids, mothers, fathers, children, grandparents, like, they were just living their life yeah. and I took them out. And yeah. then I went and painted somewhere. Like, you know, it's Yeah. I don't think I would I don't think I'd wanna have that on me. No. So why don't you use social media? I, know, I mean I just don't really see a huge need for it. How do you communicate with the world? Just like everybody else used to, you know? Paper Did, or letters and We don't write no damn letters. I've written some letters. When was the last time you wrote a letter? few months ago and you mailed it out to somebody do they live far away like in no, another like handed it to them i gave it to one person oh how long was it a few pages oh was it like a romantic person or just no, like a... just like a, just a letter. really i you know what i actually i think i remember in college i wrote a bunch of letters i got like some free stationery from somebody and i was like i'm gonna write letters and i wrote all my friends letters yeah letters are great i think they're slept on um I just, I just feel like there's not, even now, like if I look through, like, I, you know, I definitely feel like I'd want to be more present on my Instagram just for career 
uh, reasons but well you're about to become my well you are my personal photographer yeah yeah yeah. i was speaking so <laughs> i want to be more present on my instagram for like clear reasons but like if i scroll back and look at old pictures that i put on there something about it annoys me that they're just there in like a digestible form as like did this thing people looked at it the week i posted it and then like it will never be seen again unless someone scrolls back but like really it's kind of just there to show that like i have a bunch of things on the overall account like it's just there to make it seem like i have more pictures posted like it's not there to be appreciated on its own or i don't know or even if it was just like nothing but selfies like i feel like i don't like the fact that it's like oh the last selfie is so old now i have to do another one just to keep having a Feeding new the machine it, it just feels something about it, it feels kind of nasty to me whereas like i feel like you not that i i mean i wish i wrote more letters but I feel like phone calls or letters or stuff like that, like those kind of ways of communication with people, I feel like I just like cherish in a certain type of way I appreciate. Like if someone sent you a letter, you open it, you sit down, you read it, and you put it away. And even if you forgot about it, it's like that was like it had your whole undivided attention that time you wrote the letter and you knew someone else had like their undivided attention focused on that letter when they made it. And like even if you forget the letter, next time you see them in person, there'll be some kind of like change and like your relationship with them based on the fact that like you have this memory like somewhere in you of like sitting down and reading what they wrote and they have a memory of sitting down and writing to you and like you speak and you're going to be a little bit more you know friendly with them a little bit more like happy to see them because you're like oh yeah i know they care about me i know whatever you know Mm -hmm. or like these are the things i want to know about their life and they sent it to me and like i'll do the same for them like or like a phone call you're like i actually got to really just be present with you on the phone like just catch up talk to you like no necessarily like intent other than to just share and this is where you and i differ you are definitely the much the much more interpersonal uh emotionally um available person in this siblinghood and you get that from mom really you think that's how mom is yeah for sure i'm right. like daddy you're like mom all right i'll take that who are both 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 lovely people? Angels. Yeah, angels. <laughs> They're angels. Oh. Um, do you want kids? Yeah, so I mean I fluctuate. It's just like some days I'll be like, I don't want any kids, I don't want a partner. I just want to be alone and maybe get a dog and have a nice hardwood floor. Um, other days I'm like, um, yeah, I want to have, like, two biological kids and, like, adopt two kids. Some days, I'm like, I just want to adopt. Other days, like, I don't want to have a partner and adopt. So, I oh, you, You're all over the place. Yeah, I mean, I just feel like it just depends on how I see myself living my life. Like, if I wanted to go down a route, be like a... If I ended up making my life all about travel and I did some kind of like Anthony Bourdain type life where I just went somewhere everywhere and just mm-hmm. like did different things and like I don't really know if I would want to have a child for me or to like tag them along the whole time like I feel like that would do something to their childhood or or also like wouldn't want to have to feel like they think I'm stepping out on their life to do all these things so if I live that life maybe it'd be better I think for me to be like I'm just a photographer like I travel maybe the best I can think of in the family situation would be like having a partner who like traveled with me or like equally traveled in their own way. And like, we felt like we had a cool relationship where, you know, for 10 plus years, whatever we like knew 
how we wanted to relate to one another and like you know they might go off for a few months i might go off for a few months but overall we travel together are together if i wasn't doing any of that then maybe i'd want to settle somewhere maybe then i would decide like kids or no kids mm-hmm. if i settled down later on in life maybe i'd be like you know i want to adopt a child but i don't necessarily want it to be related to having to have like a i have partner. to find someone and then within two years have a kid with them oh like, you yeah know, like, yeah that makes sense do you remember me raising you that's a big no remember you babysitting me i practically raised you we had this conversation oh no this is the debate remember this debate we go and you called mom and woke her up the question was if the roles if the gender roles were reversed (laughs) because you lost that argument if the gender roles were reversed and you were a 15 year old boy and mom and dad had me a baby girl would they have left me in your care as much as they left you in my care and i told you absolutely no way would they leave me with you if you were a 15 year old teenage boy and you called mom and was like mom would you and she said hell no that's whack hell no i'm an excellent caregiver i would take good care of you i raised you i raised you i would have i would have taken excellent care of you immaculate You've never even been around kids. Maya. Barely. Like I was, I'm the first grandchild on mom's side of the family. So I was always around children. Cole. You barely say hi to Cole. I, when I see him, I say hi. That's not caregiving. He's not my child. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but like, you know, like I have friends who have kids now and I, you just, it's about knowing how to engage and talking to them and being on I their level. Engage with children. No, you go, hey, buddy. No, I don't. Yes, you do. <laughs> no, I don't say buddy to nobody. Hey, kiddo. I don't say kiddo. What do you say? Just say, hey. Hey. Well, what like, you got there? Okay, see you. Bye. That's the extent of your interaction yeah, with kids. Yeah, keep kid. moving. I got, <laughs> <laughs> I got time for this. It's not my job. But you were my sister, so I would have looked after you, but Cole is just a cousin. <laughs> <laughs> He doesn't get the same type of attention. <laughs> oh, gosh. Cole is two years old. Okay. Um, all right. I think we had a good podcast. I have to end it the way I ended everyone. Everyone that I've done thus far over the two years that I've been doing a podcast and you have not listened to any of them. Uh, where, where are they? On SoundCloud. They're on iTunes. They're on fucking Spotify. They're on Spotify. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, Chad Hilliard, what makes you a social misfit? Oh, that's the name of the podcast. Oh my God, yes. <laughs> I was like, where is this question coming from? Um, uh, I don't know. You have to come up with something. Think about it. I mean, because you, you you come across as being a renaissance man, even though you're a whole entire existence, your life experience has been very digital, very tech savvy, and you are the antithesis of that. You write fucking letters. Occasionally. Yeah, so like where do you come from? Where did like you and I grew up in the same household? Where did you come from? What shaped you? Cuz you and I are completely different people. I don't know how do people normally answer this question? From their heart. I mean, I guess I don't really think of myself as a social misfit, so Cuz you're in the water like a fish. <laughs> <laughs> you're terrible. <laughs> You are a fish in the water. Mm-mm. Oh my god, that's a perfect ending. Do you All have right. an answer? Do you no, want to think about it? It's just like I don't know. I just I just feel like I um 
just just I've gotten more and more comfortable just doing my thing recently, and I feel like if if I don't vibe with people, people don't vibe with the stuff I do, then like I'm probably not meant to be around them and them around me. So I, I just like embracing the nerdier stuff, like reading manga and I don't know. Um, I just want to be clear to people. Um, yes, he does like um, Japanese anime, but he's not like your typical idea of like a socially awkward, like sheltered nerdy kid. He doesn't have chin acne. He knows how to dress with my approval. I'm big into face care. If you guys are what into skincare, like facial oh, skincare, face care. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, that's what I I got a pimple on my nose for the first time in forever. I'm gonna do a. Yeah, I'm gonna do a, No, I'm gonna do a clay mask. I'm gonna do a clay mask right after this, and while we watch a movie, let my fit my face get tight. Have you done an oil wash? No. You should do an oil wash. Um, it's so interesting that you're so big into skincare because you know I love popping pimples and you do not let me live. So different. How <laughs> is that so different? Because that is like hurt. You like love to trap me and then you like to, I think you just like the feeling of them popping beneath your fingers. Like, duh. Why I like I... my skin to look good. Like not to hurt. I don't want to hurt myself. But if you have pimples, they have to be pop. We should watch let's Pimple not- Popper. Let's watch Pimple Popper. Right, let's watch it. No, we're gonna watch that sci-fi movie. Okay, um, ladies and gentlemen, you could. I would say go follow my brother, but he doesn't post anything. Do I mean, know? I'll post more. So follow, follow me. Okay, so what do you? What's your handle? Chad Hilliard. Mm, that's it. I thought you had there was something else in your name. No, that's my name, Chad Hilliard. Really? On Instagram, Chad. H-I-L-L-I-A-R-D. My Facebook has, has... You know, I think I want to delete my Facebook. Yeah, uh, de- I suggest you delete your Facebook. Don't even tell him what it is. Okay, so, um, ladies and gentlemen, you can check my brother out, the photographer, Chad Hilliard, on Instagram at Chad Hilliard. Um, I'm Chloe Hilliard, the elder, the original. <laughs> the first pancake. The first pancake. This is a joke of mine. Um, the first pancake. I should make a t-shirt of that, maybe. Um... Thank you guys for listening. I know this has been a very unorthodox episode, but um, I enjoyed talking to my little brother. So um, I hope you enjoyed listening to us be silly on the couch. Bye.